glory of God had departed and now we're coming into chapter 5 and chapter 5 is really unusual but both the way that we discovered in chapter 4 that God moves and God's present and God's there we're about to discover that in chapter 5 even though it's really unusual God is not only present he's there he's our rescuer he's our go-to so having said all of that for those that weren't here two weeks ago to listen to the snippets in between all of that worship you can catch it on YouTube if you can hear it, great. I don't know if you can. If not, just read chapter 4 of 1 Samuel for yourself and get a picture. But chapter 5 is where we're going. This is where we see Dagon, a deity of its, in its day or in his day, falls. It's actually a really exciting passage of scripture. So from verse 1 it reads, After the Philistines had covered the ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod, then they carried the ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. When the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. They took Dagon and they put him back in his place. But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His head and his hands had been broken off and they were lying on the threshold, only his body remained. That is why to this day neither the priests of Dagon nor any others who enter Dagon's temple at Ashdod step on the threshold. Verse 6, the Lord's hand was heavy on the people of Ashdod and its vicinity. He brought devastation on them and afflicted them with tumours. When the people of Ashdod saw what was happening, they said, the ark of God of Israel must not stay here with us. Because his hand is heavy on us and on our dog, on our dog, on our Dagon, our God. Sorry, apologies. So they called together all the rulers of the Philistines and asked them, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? They answered, Have the ark of God of Israel moved to Gath. So they moved the ark of the God of Israel. But after they'd moved it, the Lord's hand was against the city, throwing it into a great panic. He afflicted the people of the city, both young and old, with an outbreak of tumours. So they sent the ark of God to Ekron. As the ark of God was entering Ekron, the people of Ekron cried out, they've brought the ark of God of Israel around to us to kill us our people and our people. So they called together all the rulers of the Philistines and said, send the ark of the God of Israel away. Let it go back to its own place or it will kill us and our people. For death had filled the city with panic. God's hand was very heavy on it. Those who did not die were afflicted with tumours and the outcry of the city went up to heaven. Father, we ask that you would just bless this word, bless this day. Lord, in fact, encourage us as we step away from this place. Lord, that we may know that not only are we victors, but we are victorious in every situation we face because you are the victor and you walk with us all the time. We give you all the glory and all the praise and everybody said... Amen. This whole message is a little bit, of, a little bit like spiritual warfare. And, and surprisingly so, because I, I don't get involved with the songs that they choose for our, our worship set, if you will. Um, but I, I really feel like the songs that, that Lockie was, had chosen and what he was going after was a little bit of spiritual warfare. And that was that sense when I stepped in at the end, we need to use the power of our voices, the, the song of our hearts and praise to, to do some battle here. But who remembers Humpty Dumpty? Yeah? Most of us. Even, even the young kids would remember Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Well, no, it sat on a wall, wasn't it? How's it go? Hum, 
I've written it down. Come on, someone help me. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king men couldn't put Humpty together again. Now, First Samuel, he's the real. Who said that? Oh, my goodness. Dad's joke coming from a mother and grandmother. Unbelievable. Anyway, so this whole chapter is a story of a false god. And it's a false god who falls off his perch, really. Falls off his perch and he can't be, the second time round, can't be put back together again. Right? Which is just, it is brilliant. There is so much God highlight in this. Now the, the passage itself actually shows us that the idols of men are pathetic. The idols of men have no power at all. Because there is only one God and one God alone, yeah? Yahweh, we sang to this morning. Jesus. I love the fact that we know the one true living God. And yet, in this passage, Dagon has fallen. So let me say this. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. What happens to bow a knee? There's only one way to bow a knee. Dagon has fallen. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is Lord. Why? Because he's Lord. It's true. It's a fact. I'm, I'm watching a couple of young people over here as I went down and did that. I think they think that I'm going to bust my knee. This is not Humpty Dumpty, boys and girls. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> so if every knee will bow before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, then it's really important for you and I right now at this very moment to have Jesus first in our lives. If every knee will bow and every tongue confess all over the globe, it's really important for you and I that we have Jesus first in our lives. Amen. You know, this is a, it's a strange chapter, it's a strange scripture because it actually brings us into a pagan temple. Like, you won't find it anywhere else. In this passage, we don't see paganism at work and, 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 and paganism is just any faith outside of Judaism, right? So if you're wondering why I'm using that word, you don't see what's happening. All we know is that Dagon falls. That's all we know. That's all the, the passage tells us. But paganism is the worship of false gods, false gods. It's forbidden in the second commandment. You, you remember the second commandment? You, you shall not have idols. Remember the second one? Now, Jewish scholars I found online, it suggests that Jewish scholars would say that they believe that the second commandment is probably the most important of the ten, right, from the, the Torah, because if you break the second you're probably already breaking all of them at the same time. And it's the second commandment that ultimately undermines the first commandment, or underpins, which is to have God first. Yeah? So idols are real in life today, believe it or not. And if we think that only pagan people in the past or pagans in other countries... Are the, real, uh, are the real pagans and we're not? So if you believe that people who follow other faiths, you know, that would be paganism, really. 
If you believe that they're the only ones and we're not, then I probably want to suggest and need to remind us that even the Bible warns us in the New Testament to have no idols in our lives. Because idols can be anything. Idols can be what you drive. Idols can be what you watch. Idols can be a desire in your heart. Idols can be a possession. Idols can be an attitude. Idols can be a person. I would hope my wife idolises me, but not to that extent, you know. But it can be a person. Idols are nothing, and yet, 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 they can be used by the enemy to get a hold of us in areas of our life, to, to take almost, you could almost say, demonic control in areas. And by the way, yes, for the believer, yes, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is inside of us. But we can certainly be assaulted and led astray as believers by the enemy. Yeah? Now, one thing we need to realise is that mankind as a whole is essentially religious. Really? One of the mysteries, I think, of the secular worldview is that the secular worldview thinks it has no religion. <laughs> it's a mystery, isn't it? But I want to explain, I'd like to explain to everybody that everybody is religious. So everybody has a worldview. Everybody either believes something or believes nothing. Everybody has a worldview. But these, these cults seem to come under one banner more and more, particularly in the day and age that we're living in. If you can't see it playing out today, turn on the news, buy a newspaper again. Open your eyes. Like seriously, like if you can't see it, because they try to dominate the public sphere. They, they actually suggest and determine that they alone can be the, the sole voice of authority. They alone can be the sole voice of education. They alone can be the sole voice of corporation, if you will. And they call people to worship what they think in a way. And if you disagree with them, then you must be cancelled. Isn't that the word today? cancelled. No other voice is permitted. And you know what? That's not okay. That's just not okay. Alistair Begg wrote this, the choice that we're given by this modern cult in the world today, there's a reason for this foundation, is you either hate us or affirm us. That's the only choice you're allowed to have. You either hate us or you affirm us, but that's a problem to us who are believers that are Christians because we can't hate. Just because we don't affirm doesn't mean that we hate. We can't hate. It's not in our nature. It's not in the nature of the one that lives in us. Da-da, got ya, yeah? Like some of the arguments, oh my goodness. We love people and we want to bring people to Jesus, don't we? We want them to know his love and his grace and his forgiveness. You know, on, on one hand, we can't affirm the stuff that they believe in, especially if the Bible suggests it's forbidden. Because I don't know about you, but as far as I'm concerned, if it comes to a church, regardless of denomination, we would believe that the Bible is canon, the inherent word of God, yes? So we can't pick and choose what we believe. We can't. 
That means there's only one choice for the Christian, and that is that Jesus is the Lord in all things. Yeah. If you want to be kind and loving to people, tell them about Jesus. You know, have you ever tried to have a, like a deep, meaningful, passionate conversation with a passionate evolutionist, say? They, they haven't even got an answer. And yet they'll get angry with you. They'll even shut you down and call you foolish. Now, I know this is a long time ago because I'm 53, yeah, but when I was at school, if you had a theory, if you had a thought, if you had a, a hypothesis, if you will, we, we actually then experimented. We tested things out, didn't we? We checked to see whether that thing was true or not true, right or wrong. Yeah, we would test those things. Science, by definition... You're allowed to ask the question. You don't shut down the conversation. That's not actually science. Yet more and more today, the culture wants to shut us down if we don't believe, follow or honour the idols that they're worshipping. Yeah? You know, I thank God that the Bible, written over 40 different authors, over, over 15, you know, it's... 66 different books, written all those years ago, tested, comes under scrutiny, and every time it passes a test of reliability. There is no other book like it. And the truth is, if you don't believe in the Bible, if you do not believe in Jesus, inevitably you'll invent an idol for your life, something to follow, something to believe. And eventually you'll think it's strange that others don't bound down to what you now believe. See, our culture is very offended when we don't bow down to the gods of the day. But let me say, one of the reasons we don't bow down to the gods of the day is, here you go, next time, Samuel, one more time, because Dagon has fallen. Dagon has fallen. That's why we don't bow down to the gods of today, because Dagon has fallen. Think about this, yeah? It, we have victory in Jesus. Jesus is the only way. But... Things are really big these days on keeping fit, aren't they? You know, the keeping fit culture is huge at the moment. It's huge. Now, as a side note, I was so looking forward to this part of the message. Dagon is a vegetable and a grain deity. A vegetable and a grain god. So if you then believed in Dagon, you would pray that he would bring you more vegetables or seed, grain. Yet Dagon has fallen. Some would suggest that Dagon <laughs> was a vegan. I don't want to put, say anything else, right? I don't want to say anything else, but some, I'm telling you, read it. Some would suggest that Dagon, this deity, was a vegan, the God, the God of grains and seeds and vegetables. Yet in front of our God, he fell. Oh, I just love that. I could just stop the message there and go home. And I, and I am happy. I'm going to go home and have my lamb roast. I am happy, man, that the Bible would show me that. I am so happy. I'll tell you what, if we don't have a soul, if there's no eternity, then our body is all we've got. And yes, we should care for our bodies. Absolutely. Yes, we should care for our bodies. And as Christians, we should do the best that we can. We should try. 
I say try because it's for me. <laughs> to eat healthily as much as we can and as often as we can. But isn't it interesting how our culture will kind of make a religion on just about everything? Think about it for a minute. Thinking that we're so secular, so rational, so reasonable, very often it's a very anti-science worldview that's around us, a worldview that's focused on what we eat and what we drink. And yet Jesus himself said in Matthew 6, 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. It's not... Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? He actually said that we should seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Amen? So if you don't know Jesus, I guarantee you there'll be other gods that will rise up in your life, other gods that will soon take control. And here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 5 <laughs> that I believe reminds us that helps at hand. And the problem very often when we, when we need help is that we go to the wrong places to get help. We just go to the wrong places. There's only one place we can get help, and that's Jesus. It's Jesus. Yes, we go to doctors, but then we also pray that the Lord, via his Holy Spirit, will give that doctor wisdom that will guide that surgeon's hands, will give them the brilliance to come up with new ways to make us better, yeah? New invention to do something, yeah? You know, that was, in 1 Samuel chapter 5, it was a difficult time. There was a lot of backsliding. There was a lot of paganism there. There was a lot of people practicing things outside of Judaism. There was, but the reality is that God is present even in this reading in 1 Samuel. Because you know what? First, the standout for me is God's power can't be mocked. God's power, it can't be faked. It just can't. Look, I'm hoping that when I finish this, that we walk out of church with a coffee in one hand, skipping. Our God is so good. That's, that's what you should be getting from where I'm going, I'm hoping. If not, you're probably vegan and stuck where I was before. But let it go. Let it go. No, I won't. So anyway, God's power can't be mocked or faked. Anyone who tries to fake the power of God is going to be disappointed. Wouldn't you hate to get all the way to eternity and discover that every knee has bowed? You fought so hard your whole life not to accept Jesus and you get to eternity and everybody, then every knee has bowed and every tongue's confessed that Jesus is Lord. God's power can't be mocked. It can't be faked. Yet, then whether the Philistines were occupying the Ark of the Covenant, or whether they were worshipping in the pagan temple, the temple of Dagon, whether they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant before Dagon, it, it really doesn't matter because God's power can't be mocked and it can't be faked. Most of the world is trying to mock or fake the power of God. You know, people are searching for all kinds of things, going to all kinds of places. But, but it's it's really healthy for you and I to understand that there is only one power. There is only one true living God who's loving and gracious and that we need to put him first in our lives and recognize his greatness. Amen? You know, for a short time, the Philistines, they possessed the ark. Dad joke coming. How did that archaeology go for them? 
Yeah, come on. You such a tough crowd. I worked on that one. They even wound you up, gave you the opportunity to say, wow, good joke, Pastor, nothing. Well, that archaeology didn't turn out too well, did it? They foolishly thought that they had power over the ark of God. That's what they thought. Because they'd won the battle. Chapter 4, they'd won the battle. They had won the battle. So they think that Yahweh is just like Dagon. You, 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 see, you, you see, their vision of, of who God is is so small and, and, and he's not even the real God. He's just a fake God of vegetables, grain and seed. I love that. Thank you, Jesus. They think that Yahweh with the Ark of the Covenant is just another little local deity. That's what they think. Because there was loads, 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 loads of other gods everywhere outside of Judaism. They didn't realise that there's only one true God. You think about it. Let's look at it from this perspective. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah, We all have a will. That's what we want. But God has a will. And God's will is not only the only important thing, it's the most important thing, that even Jesus himself had to, sutter, had to say, had to utter the words, not my will, but yours be done. And that's not easy to say. It's not even easy to pray, but that's what Jesus did in the garden. He prayed. He asked the Father for strength, and then he asked his disciples to pray for the same thing. See, this is a battle that goes on in the heart of, of every believer, every believer, of every human, in fact, probably every human being on the planet, yeah, whether they're so-called secular, religious, or just into their own thing, all of us, each and every one of us, have a will. Yes? Amen? We all have our own will. But ultimately, that will will ultimately be subject to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will because every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. So our wills will always bow to his. The most important battle going on in our lives right now, it's not the bill that we can't pay. It's not our health issues that we're fighting. It's not, it's not any of that. It's not that a family member's going through something. The most important battle in our lives right now is for our will. It is our will. It was the biggest battle that Jesus had to face as well. And do you really think that we won't face the same thing. It was the biggest battle that Jesus had to face. He went through so many agonies as he imagined what it would be like, not only the pain, but what it would be like to carry the sins of the world upon his shoulder and for a time be separated from God because sin can't enter heaven. God's still looking at his son. God himself is in anguish, but this is the only way to bring us back into loving relationship with him. He had to agonize and he cries out, doesn't he? Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Father, if you're willing... Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And yet we know, because I've reiterated it over and over and over and over and over again today, Philippians 2, chapter, uh, verses 10 and 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I share that thought with you about the will. Why? 
Because ultimately, we must bow down to something. And it should be to the power of God. And it shouldn't be to some fake or our own God. You know, it's hard to imagine that we have to bow down to God because he's our friend, he's our comforter, he's our guide, he's our rescuer, he's our mother, he's our father. But please, let us never forget that he's holy, that he's majestic, that he's also our Lord and our King. Yeah. Sometimes what we try to do in prayer is we try to get God's will to fit our will and we pray in the name of Jesus, but if we're praying in his name, then we're praying, actually praying in the will of Jesus under his authority. Because isn't asking prayer, isn't prayer asking God's will to be done in our lives rather than for, for my will to be done in God's life? Prayer is powerful, prayer changes things. But why would the Lord do wonders in our life if all the time we hold on to a self-centered will? That's not discipleship. That's not following Jesus at all, is it? And so the Philistines thought they could play with God. And they thought that the Ark of the Covenant, you know, was just like Dagon. But did you notice in that reading, verse 3, verse 6 and verse 9, they had a, a phrase that reoccurs. They were afflicted. They were afflicted because they have this fake view of God yeah maybe even in the Christian world sometimes we can have a fake view of God one where we try to get God to do our will but the Philistines the Philistines they were afflicted and then verse verses 5 6 and 11 there's another interesting phrase that happened three times a phrase that's not often used in the Bible and it says his hand was heavy God's hand was heavy on the pagan worshippers. His hand was heavy on those that were outside of Judaism. His hand was heavy on those that do not believe in Jesus. Now I know that we live in the New Testament, so the things that happened then won't happen now, but ultimately every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. You know, God's hand was so heavy that when they moved the Ark of the Covenant to Gath, there was a great outcry in the city. Even though the people didn't follow the Lord, even though they didn't know him, they knew something was, was wrong in their relationship with somebody they didn't know. I mean, that's cool. That they cried out saying, oh, don't, we're going to, you can bring, we will die. No, because they knew something was wrong. This isn't lining up with us. And they didn't even believe in him, but they believed what would happen. They were trying to use God through the Ark of the Covenant and after a while they realised they actually didn't even know what to do with themselves. Did you remember the story of Simon in Acts chapter 8? Some of you would know it. Simon the sorcerer, yeah? Simon the sorcerer, when he saw that there was power in the name of Jesus, when he, when he saw that preaching Jesus, that people were filled with the Holy Spirit, he actually thought to himself, you know what? I can get in on this act. As a sorcerer, I think he thought that he could control God. As a sorcerer, I think he thought that he found a better way. And I believe that there are Christians sometimes, you and I, who think we can control God, but we don't control him. 
And nor does he control us. He certainly gives us an option. But he is not, we don't dictate to God. He's God. I don't know why people would get offended by that. He's God. We say yes and amen because he's God. God's in control of the entire universe. And Simon, he tried to make a mockery of the things of God. And I don't think the story ended very well. It ended, it ended badly. Now, we don't know whether he ended up being obedient to the Lord, but he was certainly not going to be on the apostolic team at the time because there was no way they would have anyone that would manipulate the things of God. Yeah, Christ, Christian ministry is not a job club. Christian ministry is not a business gig. Christian ministry is not a franchise. In fact, calling a church a church is not what makes it a church. Think about that one. Say that three times fast. Making a church a church is not what makes it a church. Making a church a church is not what makes it a church. It's his sovereignty. It's his presence. It's his deity. It's his awesomeness. It's his power. It's him. He makes this place a church. We may put a name on it, but because he's here. Because I'll be the first to tell you that if Holy Spirit, if God one day packs up and leaves, I'm out of here. Love you all. Let's continue relationship. Give me a call. But if God's not here, I'm, I'm being serious. If God's not here, then this is not a church. It's a gathering. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to find where he is. Yeah, God's in control of the entire universe. Now, there's one qualification for Christian ministry. Do you know what it is? To be crucified with Christ. I love the fact, coincidence, solely it's a coincidence, that we've got people that are just doing our last you know, checks and balances on people that are being re-nominated for a deacon and an elder. Do you know what the qualification is of a deacon? Don't, 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 don't worry about Timothy. you know what it is? Be crucified with Christ. You know what the qualification of an elder is? To be crucified with Christ. In fact, do you know what the qualification is to be a leader in any church at any place? To be crucified with Christ. Let's go further. To be a believer, a Christian... To put that name, that badge, to wear it proudly. Do you know what the qualification is? To be crucified with Christ. Think about it. This is true for all of us. You and I, we're dead people. We're, I see dead people. It's like a movie, isn't it? I see dead people. You know why? Because we're crucified with Christ. No longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. We're dead people, but alive in Christ. Man, when, we, when we've surrendered to God that way, that's when you start to see him move. That's when you start to see him move. And, and in this passage, first, God's power can't be mocked or faked, but then pagan power falls to God's true power. I love it. Verse 3, when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon fallen on his face. Fallen on his face. I'm jumping to verse 4. But the following morning, after they stood him back up, because God needs our help, right? <laughs> the following morning, when they rose, there was Dagon falling on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. This time, his head and his hands had been broken off. I just want to, let's just enjoy this moment as Christians. Seriously, 
Dagon has fallen on his face. On the ground. On the ground. Everything that mocks Jesus will fall on its face. Yeah? Everything that stands against the name of Jesus will fall on its face on the ground. That should be from someone, and I am being a little bit outrageous today, Pentecostal, someone should go, Amen! That's awesome! Everything that stands against the name, everything will fall. Like everything. Everything that stands against, mocks Jesus, everything will fall. But billions are captured by the empty philosophies of this world today. And these philosophies, they keep creating division and bitterness. They, they bring about separation. They, they proliferate everywhere. They constantly, they're growing many heads. But let me say this. Like the Berlin Wall, yeah? Like the Berlin Wall, they are all doomed. They will all fall. They will all fall on their face at the feet of Jesus because every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Amen? Amen. And you know what the good thing is about us believers? We've already fallen. We've already fallen on our face. The day that we said yes to Jesus and repented of our sin, the thing that separated us from God, the day that we did that, we already fell and said, you know what, Lord, I'm actually not good enough without you. I need you. I need." So we have already fallen on our face. The problem is the community in the world, they're still catching up. And now we have Jesus. You know, you and I, we don't have to call out this is what I get so frustrated about in some churches. We don't have to call out every individual sin that's going on in the culture today. We don't have to call it out. We sim- I would simply say this, the name of Jesus will knock it down, Humpty Dumpty, yeah? Because every knee shall bow. We don't have to call it out. No one had to call out when the Ark of the Covenant was in front of Dagon in Dagon's temple. No one was there shouting it out. But when they went there the next day, Dagon had fallen. The Philistines capture the ark. They place it before the image of Dagon in Dagon's shrine. But before breakfast the next day, Dagon's fallen, fallen on his face before the Lord God Almighty. If you read that again, it's actually funny. I think the skit guys... Yeah, you know the Christian skit guys? Or if you don't know them, Sushi Mango, the Italian guys, or whatever comic that you know, Fluffy, Gabriel Iglesias, I don't care what comedian you know, what's the other guy I'm thinking of, an Australian comedian? Doesn't matter. Whoever you know, this is a comedy skit. Like, this is comedy gold. Because when we read it, they take Dagon and they put him back in place. They... They made up God's fallen down before the power of the one true God. So they say, let's try this again. (laughs) What's the definition of insanity? What's the definition of insanity? But to be real for a second, but you and I, we we can do the same thing. Especially when it comes to sin and stuff in our life. Every time we do something and we think, oh, God won't see it. Every time we come to worship with a wrong attitude. Every, every time we won't forgive something, someone, in effect, we're doing the same thing. It's like saying, let me just try and stand my idol back up again in front of God and see how it goes. 
It really, this is a line from a comedy skit. If you had to stand your God up again, something's wrong. Think about it. They would have been like this. Hey, we need some strong men. Um, oh, can we have you? Um, may, maybe not you, but we'll take you and we'll take you. And, oh, nothing against the ladies. We're just trying to choose the, 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 the stronger men and we'll have you and you. Can, can you. can you all please come now? On the count of three, we have to lift up our God. Are you ready? One, two, three. They probably flipped him over twice. Because they had more power than their God. You know, we need to make our religion a little bit better. We need to tidy it up. We've, we've got no power here. We're not, we're not right with God. What we need to do is repent. But let's just prop up our God again. Let's stand Dagon up again. You know, the Philistines thought they'd won. They thought they could beat God. But as one commentator says, Yahweh outgodded Dagon. Take that English away with you today. Yahweh outgodded Dagon. Why don't we stand because I'm definitely almost out of time. Yahweh outgodded Dagon because he's the only true God. Idols are nothing. But sometimes if we allow them into our lives, we allow the enemy to get control. Idols can be a very cruel master. But our God is a wonderful God. And we've tasted and seen the goodness of our God. And I would finish with this. God's power can't be mocked. Let's take that today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pagan power falls to God's power. Amen? All other gods fall, fall to the one true God. And the fall of Dagon is a picture of the final end of our enemy. Call him Lucifer. Call him Satan. Call him whatever you like. Call him hairy legs like Vicky does. Because these verses should give us confidence. When the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon fallen. Dagon that symbolised the power of the devil over the Philistines. The power of the Philistines that might try to take over the precious promised land. And then verse 4, it says, But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face. Praise God that Dagon's fallen. Praise God that his head and his hands have been broken off. Because this is a picture of the final end of Satan, the enemy. He's fallen. He's defeated. What a privilege. What an honor you and I have here today to declare this. With all the demonic activity that's happening all over the world today, that we can say, every knee shall bow. That every tongue confess. So don't be intimidated by the Berlin walls of your life. Don't be intimidated by the stuff that's coming against you. Don't be intimidated by those things that look insurmountable, not passable. I can't, you know what? Because when the time is right, they will fall to the power of the living God. We're not going to lose the Christian quality of grace and love in what we do. We don't need to be intimidated by the false religions of cults of the day. Dagon's fallen. Jesus is victor. Jesus is victorious. Luke 10. Let's finish on this scripture. Luke 10, verse 18 says, And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Today, you and I, we're the victorious ones. It doesn't matter the week that you've had. It doesn't matter what report you got from the doctor. It doesn't matter what's happening in your home. It doesn't matter what's happening in your family. Those things are all important. But let's not make an idol out of those things because before him, 
Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. He has no power over us. God shall not be mocked. We not only will be, but we are victorious in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Father, this day, this day, Lord, we give you all the glory. We thank you, God, for your example. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your goodness. But more so, God, we thank you for your greatness. When another nation mocked you, Lord, behind closed doors, you defeated them. When another nation, when they were trying to be like you and belittle you and use you behind closed doors, you crushed them. And Father, I thank you that in our lives, we know that you're the victorious one. And so this day, we give you our will. And Father, we don't try to fit you into our plans, but we say, God, show us your plans that we might walk and talk with you. Show us your plans that we may come alongside you. Show us your plans that we may see victory in our lives for the plan and the purpose that you have for us as individuals. So this Sunday, we walk away victorious. This Sunday, we walk away proud. This Sunday, we walk away loud. Lord, this Sunday, Lord, we shout to the Lord with all that we are, with everything that we sing, and everybody in the house said, Amen. 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 Seven, one.